So the first message that I preached here as the official pastor of Clarksburg Baptist Church was entitled The Mission. And we talked about how we have a great mission that God has given us, the church. And we looked at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 that says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And we boiled all that down to this one phrase, to make disciples that make disciples. And that is our purpose as a church, to make disciples that make disciples. And looking out into this new year, we are super excited about what God is going to do in the year 2018. And we believe that God is going to do something unbelievable and unexplainable that we can say only God could have done that. But in order to do that, we believe we have to be laser focused on the mission that uh, we have been given here at the church. So today, as you see up on the screen, we are going to talk about DNA. DNA. We all know what DNA is, right? It's what John Hammond extracted from a mosquito that was encased in amber for thousands of years so that he could clone a dinosaur and create Jurassic Park, right? That's what DNA is. But what is DNA as a church? What is our DNA? What is our purpose? What makes us tick? We know that we want to accomplish this mission that God has given us to make disciples. But what does that process look like? I believe that we have the structure here at CBC already. But this morning, we are going to bring some clarity to that process. So I want to give you three words, three steps or three pillars, or three whatever you want to say they are, uh, in the process of discipleship for this year. So if this is your first time here, or you've been here for 40 years, you're going to see your on-ramp for what is next in your Christian walk. So these are the three words, and you can see them on the screen. It's gather, grow, and give. Those are the three words that we're going to talk about this morning. Gather, grow, and give. And when you see these, you're going to understand that these things are, need to be so ingrained in us that they aren't just what we do, and they aren't just what we talk about, but that it's who we are. And as we explain these steps of discipleship, you're going to understand where you're at in this process and where you need to go. So that's what we're going to tackle this morning. What is our purpose? What is... Uh, uh, our uh, goal here and how are we making disciples so let's tackle that first one gather gather for many of us this is the first step in our discipleship process gather is what we do at 10 a.m every sunday morning from 10 a.m to 11:15, and we're even doing it right now okay it's kind of trippy right gather that's what we do we gather together to lift up and to praise the name of jesus And for thousands of years, we have gathered together as followers of Christ to bring our praise and worship to Jesus, our God. And when we step into this room and gather as the church, we join the millions that have come before us and those that will come after us in proclaiming, behold, the Lamb of God that's taken away the sins of the world. Worthy is the Lamb to be praised. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's something amazing about this, that what we're doing right now, we as Christians have done for thousands of years, and we're connected that way as we gather together. 
See, gathering is a vital part of discipleship. We gather together to refresh and to refocus and to remotivate ourselves. Because we're in a spiritual battle. But this Sunday morning gathering is our rallying time, our celebration time for victories and a time of recruiting and inspiring new followers of Christ. See, we're going to be an outward-focused church that cares about what happens outside these walls, but we cannot forget about this time of gathering together as a family to be encouraged before we're launched out into the mission field on Monday. See, we huddle here, and we run the plays throughout the week because we need each other, and we need you, and it makes a difference when you're not here because you are part of our body. See, you might not always get thanked for everything that you do, and we hope you do. You might not always get noticed the way that you should, but don't ever believe that you're not vitally important to this church. That's our first one, gather. Does anybody else hear like some music? Yeah, isn't that weird? It's not me. We didn't like design that. We wanted to make it like a zen. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that is. You guys know what it is? Maybe it's downstairs? Is there music playing downstairs? Come on, Ron. You're supposed to know all sounds is your department. Anyway, that's the first one. We'll just go with it. We'll just meditate here this morning like we're in a spa or something. (laughs) Now I've just distracted everybody and not just me. Uh, So the first one is gather. The next one here is grow. And we here at CBC believe that lasting and spiritual growth starts in the community, the care, and the accountability of life groups. For many of us, this life group time is right after the morning service at 11.15 to 12.15. We have children's life groups, teen life groups, all the way up to seniors. We have a place for you. And this is a place to ask questions. It's a place to pray together, to make friends, and to study the Bible together, and to check in on each other. And if you don't feel like you have a place yet here at CBC, we have a life group for you. And that's where that's going to happen, where you're going to get connected. Because this isn't enough. This is important, but it's not enough. Now, uh, in the early church, they met in houses. And our life group experience is the closest thing that we have to a first century church experience. That's where it's going to happen. That's where deep growth is going to occur. Now, on top of our Sunday morning life groups, we have two women life groups that we've talked about already. We've got uh, one men's life group, and we've got another one starting here in a few weeks that's just getting uh, kicked off. Uh, We've got other uh, life groups that are family-oriented and mixed generations. We have a place for you. And don't just give up if the first one or two don't fit you. That's fine. That's why we have so many different ones. You can go and find a place to get connected. And we love our life groups, and we believe that that is the next step in your discipleship. Because if you're only gathering once a week on a Sunday morning, we're not going to make disciples effectively. Because we must walk through this life together. And if you are in a life group, that means that you are actively seeking out people that you don't know and asking them to join your life group and to get connected like somebody probably did for you. And then here's a really cool thing. You can ask them out to eat as well. And just take them out and eat together. If you look in the Bible, look at how often Jesus ate with people. And how much his fellowship was centered around food. There's something special about eating together. And it's not just a Baptist thing. We all, as Christians, ought to be doing it. 
People say that, oh, the church I grew up in, they said, we're Bible-believing, chicken-eating, pie-eating Baptist. And uh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, let's do that in community with people that uh, we're drawing in. I love it. We see often where uh, people put up pictures here at CBC uh, of their life group, and they're eating around a turkey or something like that. That's something special about that. There's something awesome about that, of sitting down at a table together and just fellowshipping with each other. And that's another thing that Christians have done for thousands of years. We're walking through life together, building friendships and praising Jesus all the way. That's how it's supposed to work. See, how people know that we're disciples is by our love for one another. And that is not just a handshake on Sunday morning. That's living life together and connecting with each other. Another way that uh, life groups work is through multiplication. As well, that's people getting trained in their life group to start another life group. That's a beautiful thing, and that's how we multiply. And here's the last one, finally. We got gather, grow, and give. This is the next step in discipleship, give. Giving back. And there are three T's to giving. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. At CBC, we believe in whole life stewardship. And that everyone, we, uh, everything that we have is God's. And he already owns it all. And that we are to use what God has given us to be a blessing to other people. And we believe that God expects every member of CBC to serve God in some capacity by investing their time. Which we understand is hard because everybody is competing for your time. But we, we believe that's part of our stewardship. And also uh, using our God-given gifts and passions and abilities or our talents. Here, where they fit in. Now, I say where they fit in because if you play the bagpipes, does that mean on Sunday morning you're going to get to play in the worship band? I don't know. You'll have to ask Andy, maybe. But you can use your gifts and your talents and your passions somewhere in the kingdom of God. Maybe at a nursing home. Maybe at a community event. Hey, you can find a way to use your gifts and talents for God. Let's, we need to be actively looking for those things because we here at CBC believe in servant leadership that was modeled by Jesus. Uh, those that want to be uh, leaders in this church need to be servants first. And we also ask all those that call CBC their church home to invest at least 10% of their income or their tithe into God's work here at CBC. This, we don't have just like a, a, you know, a money tree somewhere that all this functions just by, uh, you know, magic. No, it's you guys participating and partnering together with us. And we want to thank you. And we want to say, hey, that is awesome. Let's continue to do that. Let's make sure that we're uh, participating in the way that God has commanded. Because all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New T Testament, God set the standard that you give your tithe, your 10%, where you worship. And then you give offerings of missions or to the needy above and beyond that. And we could take a breath here. There are two big struggles, right, that people have in their life. The biggest things that we struggle with is money and sex. And what are the two things we do not want to talk about in church, right? We just don't, don't talk about money and don't talk about sex in church. But God gave us the gift of giving, and God gave us the gift of sex, and we're not going to be the church that avoids those topics. But I bet if we took a vote this morning, you'd much rather talk about sex than the gift of giving, right? <laughs> we're not going to take a vote, though, okay? <laughs> but see, God set the standard for giving. 
Why? Because God is a cheerful giver. For God so loved the world that he gave for the wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. God is a cheerful giver. And the Bible tells us that what we invest in is what we love. Where your treasure is, is what you love. So show me your bank statement and show me your calendar and I will tell you what you love. I love to buy books that I put on a shelf and rarely read. I just have to ask Tori. I get one every other, oh, that's an awesome book. And eventually I'll get to them, but it might be three or four years. I don't know why I need it immediately then. I love coffee. I love going out to eat, as you can tell. Tori loves buying things for the kids. And you can find that all over our bank statement, that those are the things that we love to do. But what you'll also see on our bank statement is that we love this church. And this is where God has placed us. And this is where we're going to follow God in obedience. The Bible uh, tells us in Luke 12, 34, that where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. See, giving is the next step of discipleship. Giving of your most prized possession, your time, by serving people in need, people that are broken and hurting. Giving of your talents and gifts that God has given you. And giving back of your treasures, your finances. So there's a certain amount of faith to say this. And this is why God set up the tithe. Because originally in Israel, that was who it was given to. He wanted to show the rest of the world that God could do more with 90% than the rest of the world could do with 100%. And that's what God wants to show you. He wants to grow your faith this morning and show you, yeah, it's a little bit scary to do that, but God can do more with that 90% than you could ever do with that 100%. So we give of our gifts and our ties and our abilities as well. See, even non-Christians understand the joy of giving back. In 2015, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, they started the Giving Pledge, where they pledged to give away their entire fortune by the time that they died. Mark Zuckerberg, Richard Branson, and over 150 other multimillionaires and billionaires have joined together in emphatically backing this Bible principle without even knowing that it is far better to give than receive. And the older we get at Christmas, we understand this, right? We're more excited about giving gifts to our grandchildren, to our children, than we ever would be to get something for ourselves. Why? Because we are made in the image of God, and God is a cheerful giver. See, all the world is God's, and it's our honor to follow his example and to give to others and to give back to him. And I'm so proud. I want, I want to say this as well and throw this in here if you weren't here last week. We exceeded our Christmas Eve offering by $600. That is awesome. We're praising the Lord. So we're able to give back to uh, the uh, celebrate recovery inside and get those Bibles for them and help the uh, Clarksburg area teen challenge to get off the ground. And I'm proud of a church that we have over and over and over given back. And we want to continue to do that. And God's going to bless our generosity. Now, some of us, you're like, all right, I got those three things, right? I've been doing those three G's for years. I've been gathering, I've been growing, and I have been giving. But it doesn't end there when you get through that process of discipleship. See, after you grow, after you gather and you give together, our focus is to come alongside people and help them walk through the process as well. Inviting people to church, inviting them into your life group, and inviting them to serve alongside of you. 
Hey, another thing that's awesome, we ran out of our invites as well. Those little invites that we have, we ran out of that as well because you guys are participating in these things and we're going to get more. See, gather points our focus upward to loving God. Grow points our uh, focus inward, changing us. And give points our focus outward to loving others. We see these three steps spelled out in 1 Peter 2.5. And you probably aren't going to see them right away. But once we uh, jump in, you're going to notice where all three things are here. It says this in 1 Peter 2.5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That's the gather step. To be a holy priesthood. That's where we grow. And to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Someone once explained these verses like this. If you look at the verse 4 right before that, Peter identified Jesus, the Lord, as that living stone. Why? Because he is living now. He was once dead, but now he is alive. And we see that he's called a stone because he is the chief cornerstone, the foundation of the house of God. Now, in verse 5, Peter joins us together in that metaphor. Like Jesus, Christians are living stones. Once, because once we were dead as a rock spiritually, but now we are alive together in Christ and through our faith in Christ. Christians are stones that are set apart for a specific purpose and a specific project. God is currently building us into a spiritual house, a dwelling place for him called the church. And we gather together as people, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm having trouble this morning. We gather together as pieces of this spiritual house. God's people are the temple. This place that we're in right now, we call the church, is actually not the church. It's wherever we go. We go and meet somewhere else. We go down to Burger King and meet in the playland. All of a sudden, that place over there becomes church because you are the church and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We see that's where we're gathering together as a house built up. Next, it says that we are the priest. Why? Because all the barriers between God and us have been removed because of the cross. And we can come to our Father boldly, needing no other mediator but Jesus Christ himself. And we're growing deep into our relationship with God, endeavor, uh, endeavoring to grow into holiness with no barriers between us and our Savior. You don't need to go through a priest anymore. You don't need to go through a pastor. We have direct access to God. That means you can and should study your Bible yourself and grow as a Christian. And then next it says that we offer ourselves as spiritual sacrifices, holding nothing back, just like Christ held nothing back from us. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. So we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures as spiritual sacrifices to our loving God, trusting that through our obedience to God, that God will take care of us and bless us just like he promises. So who are we as the church? And I understand today is so much more informational. And the next few, uh, this is really just an introduction to this series. And the next few are going to be much more uh, specific and practical. But we gather today, this is who we're going to be, and this is who we are. We gather 
like we make a difference. And we grow like never before. And we give like we won't run out. Gather, grow, give is going to be our battle cry. We're not just going to hear about it. We're going to do it. And we're going to walk other people through it. We're going to talk about it, post about it, and make it who we are. Because we want to make sure that every person that walks through those doors understands what the next step for them is as a Christian. Gather, grow, give. Our flesh pulls at us to make church about ourselves about whether or not church feels good to us or whether or not we're happy or whether or not we fit in. But our hope is that we as a church can unify under this banner of gather, grow, and give and that we start to measure our success as to whether we're doing that. Not whether or not the songs are the songs that we would pick or the style is the style that we would hope it would be, but whether or not we are being successful as a church at our mission of making disciples that make disciples through gathering, growing, and giving. That's what it is about. So where are you in this process this morning? Maybe you're just here in the gather step, and we are so glad that you are. That is amazing. But God has something deeper for you. He has a closer relationship for you. And we want to challenge you to get involved in a life group. Maybe you're in that grow step, and that's awesome as well. But you can't just... Be a person that just partakes and partakes and partakes and never gives back. My father-in-law always used to say it that sometimes the church is spiritually obese because we never burn our spiritual calories. We just partake and we partake and we partake and we're never acting it out and giving back. Where are you? Because after we grow, we need to start giving out of the abundance that God has given us. Because God makes it clear that it's far better to give than receive. And if you're not giving your time and your talents and your treasures, then you're the one that is missing out. Because it's way better to give than receive. Now, no matter where you are in this process this morning, God has a next step for you. If you're new to church or you are old to church, if you're alive in the room this morning, check your pulse real quick. All right, if you're alive then God has something for you to do here at this church. There is never a time when you retire as a Christian. You retire when you go into the grave. That's when you retire. There's never a time. Find me a verse where it said Paul just uh, went to a nursing home somewhere and stopped doing everything. It's not in there. Now, retire from work, that's awesome. That's just temporary stuff. But never retire from why you were put on this planet. And that's why it's beautiful when an older man serves God in the church. That gets me pumped up. Someone 80, 85 years old is just puttering around doing whatever he can. That's awesome. It's awesome when an older woman says, hey, young mother, let me let you sit in church for a little while and get charged up because I know it's so important that you are raising some kids for Jesus, so let me watch your babies in the nursery. Hey, we don't give up on that. Hey, we got to start caring about the other people. We got to start looking at this in the long term, not in the right now. There's never a time where we say, well, it's somebody else's turn. No, it's our turn. It's now. It's us. We're going to gather, we're going to grow, and we're going to give because God still wants 
to use you. And God has a place for you. And my challenge for you this morning is to ask God what your next step is in this process. Because no matter where you are, God has something for you this morning. Let's stand to our feet and bow our heads as the worship team comes. Maybe you're a person that says, man, I didn't know at all that that was how they expected us to grow as Christians. I thought I was just supposed to, you know, come and listen to Pastor Phil and I would get everything I ever needed. No, it's not how it works. You have to take responsibility for your own spirituality. You got to take charge and say, hey, this is my relationship with me and God and I don't need a middleman. I don't need Pastor Phil to walk me through everything. Yeah, I'll come and gather as a church and listen to a message, but I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to open my own Bible. I'm going to find a life group or start a life group. And I'm going to give back and I'm going to serve in some way. Why? Because God gave so much for me. Let's bow our heads this morning, close our eyes. My challenge for you this morning is to ask God, God, what do you want me to do next? Maybe you're one of those ones that you gave up. You were where God wanted you to be, and eventually you said, man, this is, I'm not being appreciated. This is too hard. We need you to step back up. Maybe you've got talents and treasures that uh, you're not using for God's glory. You need to surrender those this morning and say, God, whatever you want me to do, it's all yours. Maybe you've been that person where it's just like, I don't know if I want to go on Sunday morning. They don't really need me. It's not true. Maybe your goal today is to say, God, I'm going to gather every day this year, every Sunday that the doors are open. I'm going to be here because I matter, because I'm part of this body. Altars open this morning. My challenge to you is to ask God what your next step is. Maybe you say, I'm doing all three of those things and I'm, I'm charging on for Jesus. We need to be the church that looks to help others walk through that process. Very heads bowed and eyes closed. You take a time of meditation and ask God what he has for you. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Phil, I'm not even really sure that if I died today that, it, that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure I'm a child of God. Yeah, I believe in God, but I, I wouldn't say my relationship with him is real. Well, the Bible says that there's four things that you need to know, understand, and believe. The first one is this. You got to understand that you're a sinner. You got to put your pride down and say, I am a sinner. The Bible says 
that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means because of our lies and filthy mouth or wicked mind or bitterness or hate that we have, we fall short of heaven. The Bible also says that the wages of our sin is death. That means what we earn and deserve for our sin is death in a place called hell. But God didn't leave us there. He didn't leave us in this direction. In Romans 5, 8, it says that God commended his love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we were destined for hell, even though we deserved it because of our sin, because we broke God's laws, he sent his only son to die in our place. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ of Nazareth walked this planet. He lived a perfect and a holy life for 33 years. And he died innocently on a cross. The Bible says he became sin who knew no sin. That we might become the sons of God. He died in your place. All the sin that you've ever committed, he paid the price for it. And then he rose again on the third day. It was seen of over 500 witnesses. The Bible says, whosoever will call upon that Jesus shall be saved. You can call out today, you can call out this morning, with something like this. The prayers, it's not something you got to say exactly like this, or you can add your own words, or it's really about your heart. You can call out to him with something like this this morning. Let me just be clear here. This is not something you need to do every service, every morning. This is a one time. Jesus Christ died for you once. This is a one time putting your faith and trust on him. You call it to him like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. Please forgive me turning from my sin, God. And I'm turning to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Every head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe just the first time you really understood it, I'm not going to come to you or bring you up on the stage or anything like that, but we just want to pray for you. You slip your hand up and say, that's me. I'm not ashamed of what I just did. But I called out, I prayed that prayer for the first time and the first time I really understood it. Amen. Here, Jesus, we thank you for those, Lord, that made that decision, God. Lord, we pray you give them the boldness to tell someone about it, God. And write it down on their connection card. Lord, I pray that you would uh, grow them, Lord, and let us be the church that would come alongside them. We love you so much for all you've done. In your name we pray, amen.